Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That was really important to me. Like Space Between Stars is a game that I made after I had just taken a year off of college because I was terrified of you know, my my abilities and, like, the, the pressures of academia and, like, various other stuff. And so, like, Space Between Stars being a game about failing forward was really important to me. Welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast, the show that calls on the champions and new contenders of the tabletop RPG arena. My name is Jeremy Gage, and I am learning about tabletop game design and publishing. If you are a budding game designer or a veteran looking for fresh musings, stay tuned as we learn about the inspirations, processes, and philosophies of professionals in the industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Draw Your Dice podcast. As you heard in the intro, I'm Jeremy Gage. Thanks for hanging out. You can always find me at JeremyGage5, but today is not about me. It is about the MC of the I'd Play That Game podcast, game show, or stream game show, a player on the most recent season three, Quarter Zone Station, with all nerds here, and host of, this is their name, Viditia Voletti Variety Show. Let's welcome Viditia Voletti. Hello, everybody. It's me. I'm here. Ooh. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> big fans. <laughs> There's like a big, big portion of the show where they just get to miss out on the video that's happening for the two of us. <laughs> but I love the energy. A lot of, yeah, I'm, I'm a gesture. You're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that's missed. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to have you. As always, I like to start this show with a brief introduction of who you are and your journey into game design. So why don't you give a little intro on where you're currently at in your life and then also touch on, you know, what maybe may have been your first role-playing game that really got you interested in the discipline and then what was sort of the first game that got you into game design. Mm, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so, well, currently I'm I'm a, you know, a designer. I, I do a bunch of stuff. I think like I like <laughs> I currently market myself as I'm a full freelance games designer, and that's really great and fun that I can say that. But, like, it's been a long journey. I feel like I don't have, like, this extensive lore that a lot of other people do with with tabletop games, mostly because I'm on, like, the younger side of the tabletop scene. So, like, I... I got into tabletop games. Well, actually, here, this is the real start of it. I've always wanted to work in games. So, like, I, ever since I was, like, a kid, I've always wanted to work in games. I thought, like, video games. I love video games, and I was like, I want to make them. I want to be a part of that. But I hated coding, and I'm uh, a talented artist. Like, I've always been an artsy kid growing up, and I had lucky to have parents who helped foster that, right? They were like, yeah, this is what you're good at. Let's, Let's help you get through that. So, like, for a lot of my life, I wanted to work in, like, game arts and things like that. 
And then around like high school, I was like, I want to start making my own games, but I don't want to code. So I would like make little like mini games in Minecraft or like other kind of like in engine things. Right. And then kind of pivoted to like board games and stuff. Cause I was like, well, I can make tabletop games that kind of function like video games. Right. Like I'd still game design. And that was like really fun. So like I kind of did that. And then I like started learning about role-playing games and I was like, I want to try that. But then I, I played a bunch of board games with my friends. Like I used technically, I kind of say that my, I like officially say that my in to tabletop games was through Fantasy Flights, Descent Journeys in the Dark Second Edition, which is like a hybrid board game, role playing game kind of thing. Like you don't have to role play, but there's like a bunch of story elements and you play like characters and like depending on what boards you set up, like the story can go in different ways. So it was like this whole thing. Some old friends of mine that I would play that with, we ended up like sort of making our own characters, our own classes. Like we just started hacking Descent until eventually we were like, we should just play a role-playing game. We're basically doing that. And then I guess like officially my first role-playing game was Dragons 3.5. I played a small campaign of that with some high school friends and it got kind of muddled because we we were seniors and we went to college and I had a very busy college life. I went to an art school. It's a hell of a freshman year, terrifying. And so I was like, I just can't play like six hour sessions on like online and stuff like that. It was just really bad. But then I got really into Pathfinder as well because I could play like short bursts of Pathfinder. And and that like, so I stuck with Pathfinder for a while. Like when I feel like, like my DNA for design and role-playing games is Pathfinder. And I could talk about that game for a long time. Pros and cons. Uh, there's like a lot that I like about Pathfinder that I don't think it does well. <laughs> or like the things that it does well I don't enjoy playing the things that it does in and so on and so forth. But then during college, I like, I got a degree in game design. So I guess like qualifications is I have like, I, I get to, I get to say like, Ooh, I have like a BFA in interactive arts and game design. So I know what I'm talking about if, if you <laughs> care about that. But like, I, there are also like much smarter designers than me who didn't pay a ridiculous amount of money <laughs> to say that but like i i took game design so i was learning a lot about play specifically like the thing that i really like about what my college gave me was it didn't just like push me through to coding and like make it, like literally manu making games it was like what is play what is interaction and like our intro to game design class wasn't like learning game maker it was instead making board games like the first thing you do is you learn to make board games and so i was like fiddling with tabletop design i was fiddling with like a bunch of like you know physical interaction and like all this time i was also playing pathfinder i was introducing my college friends to pathfinder i was the gm for like 10 people it was horrible <laughs> it was like to be honest it was like horrible i was running like two different groups each week and it was like so much i tried to do like a mixed group kind of before i knew what west marches was i tried to do a west marches game where i was like drop in and out like any any of these fucking 10 friends can jump in and out of the session and i'll just do it once a week that died very quickly because a lot of people were like we don't what <laughs> like we don't get it and we all got really busy but so like I ended up taking a semester off from uh, college because of mental health reasons and just, it was a lot. And during that time, I was like, I want to explore role-playing games. Like, I want to figure out how to make them. And I found this really wonderful, like, local Baltimore tabletop group event. It was called Drinking and Dragons. Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot it for a second. It was called Drinking and Dragons because you, you we met at a bar. We met at, like, a, a, a creative bar space called the Wind-Up Space, which is closed down. Uh, a few years ago, which really sucks, but it was a really wonderful space. And like, I would go there and that was my first introduction to indie games. Basically I was like, Oh, cause like, like Pathfinder and 5e, maybe there was like a 5e game being run there, but basically it was like a pitch circle. So you can go in and like, some people will be like, I have a game I want to run. And it's like four to five hours and you get to like play these different games. And so people brought some really cool stuff. Like this is my first time where I was like, Oh my God, like what is Blades in the Dark? What is somebody was running like Spire? Somebody was running Torchbearer. Like there's there's like a bunch of Fiasco was being run there a lot. So it's like all these like names that now I feel like everybody knows. But I was like, what the f what the fuck is this? And the first indie game 
that I think I played was The Witch is Dead, which is a one-page game by Grant Howitt. And I played it, and I had an absolute blast. And I was like... And this was also... Sorry, I'm, my, my timeline's all over the place. But like I said, this is like I took a semester off. I wanted to make role-playing games, and I was already sketching up something. And it was big. It was like you could clearly tell it was like my only touchstone is Pathfinder. And then I played The Witch is Dead, just a one-page game. And I was like, hold the phone. <laughs> you can make like a ga- like you can make a role-playing game that fits on an eight-and-a-half by 11 sheet of paper, and it is fulfilling and fun and like you tell a great story and it was just like there it is the gates were open right and like mm-hmm. ever since, i mean then then it's kind of history like it was just like i was playing a bunch of games i was reading a bunch of games i started designing smaller stuff i started redesigning my bigger stuff like and then like you know as this goes on like i, I you know i took a, i took a year off i came back I made my thesis. My thesis for my college is a tabletop RPG. It's called Space Between Stars. So I I had the... We're talking about it later. (laughs) I, like, had the... like, And this is, like, I I always want to be very upfront about this. I had the privilege, the absolute privilege of being able to do this for college. So, like, a lot of my time was spent playing games, reading games, and making games, which means... Like, and that was like my college time. So like, you know, while other people had to, you know, do this on top of regular schoolwork, that was my schoolwork. So like, I was able to spend a lot of time like designing, getting feedback. I was like one of the only people who played role-playing games in my department, other than like some underclassmen who played a lot of 5e. And like, none of my professors knew what the fuck I was doing. They were like, okay. <laughs> like we get, and but they, they knew interaction, they knew play, they knew like a bunch of these wonderful things. So like, I was able to talk to them through concepts of play and mechanics, and then like, you know, talk about and introduce role-playing. And then like, so that's and then as, as I left college and I made Space Between Stars, at least to the state that it is today, I then found the itch world. And then like now it's now it is actually history. Like so like that that's kind of my whole journey. I used to give an introduction and I just went, took you through my lore. <laughs> I, I love it. I, that's listen, the show is for you. It, it's a it's to give you a voice and it's to give you imagery in different spaces to people that may not be even aware that you exist. <laughs> As is also myself. Amazing. I love all of that. You know, my, as I've said multiple times on the show, my first touchstone is, has always been, I played that for like two or three years. When I first started thinking about designing things, it was D&D supplements. It was trying to create the next D&D. When I first played Blades in the Dark, well, after I had been playing Blades in the Dark for like a couple months, I was like, okay, what if I did like, what if I ported D&D 5e into Blades in the Dark and made like, uh, a fighter playbook and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but eventually I came across, you know, like the Brain Trust Discord and all the different types of games and, you know, learning about stuff like this Discord has ghosts in it and learning about chair and learning about the the former being by Will Yopes and, and Adam Vass and then the latter being by Adira Slattery for anyone who may be listening to this as their first episode. It just, again, like you, it just blew my mind open, like what is a game? And mm-hmm. it's not just like a 600-page, three-volumed product. It can be other things and yeah. be just as fulfilling. I think like that's that's like my driving force is like I never. I think I think the 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 thing is like I never want to define what is a game. Mm-hmm. I want to continually explore what is a game. You know, mm-hmm. I never want to find that answer. Never give me the answer of what is a game. You know what I mean? Because I'll just say you're wrong. Like, like I, the mm-hmm. kind of aggressive, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, like the 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 fun of it. Like, I think the game of game design, the play of game design, is that you are constantly searching for what is a game, and you're trying to find what your definition of it is. You're trying to find what other people's definition of what it is. And so, like, when you broaden your horizons, when you like are accepting of other ideas and like of diverse voices and like various things you're like oh you know what i mean like there is like it it, you are it's the joy of always learning you know what i mean yeah (laughs) and it's like you know spaces like the brain trust and stuff like that actually uh i just remembered i I mentioned the wind-up space that's where adam vass and i first met we met at a baltimore convention called rpg fest it was really tiny and so like we met there and then like 
that's how I got into the brain trust was like Adam and I kind of kept in touch briefly. And like, we, we were talking about stuff and then eventually it was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm like doing this thing. Like I'm working on these, this, uh, Kickstarter and we worked together and then like the, the brain trust happened. And then I was like, Oh, I'm good friends with Adam and Tyler, who's also a great member of the brain trust and frequent editor for Adam S's work and also has edited my game. So like, yeah, it was like, it's again, like these, like, keep your keep yourself open and mm-hmm. and, and f- you know f- find differences and stuff <laughs> i love it it's what an amazing journey for sure mm-hmm. well let's transition into the meat of the show let's get some game design out there let's dissect some shit as if anyone who who hasn't noticed and has been listening to the show for a long time you might have seen that i've been adding slice and dice to all of my interviews to separate them from like devlog and transparent reflections so now Uh i have like 10 shows under my name i don't know good but yeah (laughs) welcome to the main point of slice and dice hell Uh, yeah name pending i I am a big fan no this is jeremy i'm a huge fan because (laughs) Like I, I literally call like, you know, my streams and my podcast, I call it the Viditia Valetti variety show because I never want to do the same thing twice. Like yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's like, I always give something a name. It's always something different. I'm yeah. like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. The first game we're going to talk about today, real quick, since we're in the beginning of the show and I forgot to tell you to do this in your introduction where can people find you, talk to you, find oh, your stuff? Yeah. Because there's no guarantee that they're going to make it to the end of this episode and find out where that is. Okay, yeah, sure. Sorry, I should have also said that. Yeah, so, like, you can find me... Oh, I also forgot to say my pronouns. I go by he, him. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, welcome to the start of this show, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so this is how I got into table talking. No, I'm sorry. So I, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me, and you can find my games at viditavalady.itch.io. Like I, like... Jeremy was saying, and like I just said, like I have a bunch of different small endeavors, so you can find all of that. You you will always find me on the internet under Viditia Valetti. Like I'm lucky and blessed to have a a great name for SEO. But like <clears throat> you can follow all that stuff on my Twitter. I think it's like the easiest way to say it right now. Also, like I am a cast member on All Nerds Here, which is a wonderful Twitch channel that has a, a great queer and diverse cast. And uh, <clears throat> and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, oh wait, and I'm also on the Musafers podcast, which is uh, also a wonderfully diverse and queer uh, actual play podcast that's being taken that takes place in the Sarzamine campaign so it is close <laughs> to home because it's a South Asian inspired setting perfect yeah perfect. Those, are, those are places thank you now let's talk about space between stars oh uh, oh the thesis game how Let's many times? I can talk about that forever. I have a slideshow. I should take you through a thesis <laughs> right now. Yeah, it we'll slideshows it work. They, yeah, slideshows work great in audio only format, right? <laughs> yeah, as you can see here in this diagram. Uh, yeah. So why don't you give for the folks at home who may not be aware of the game or what it is, give a brief introduction of Space Between Stars. Yeah, so Space Between Stars is a uh, role-playing game about who you are and where you're going, is its is its little tagline. It's a GM-less space opera game, it, and it uses its own system, so I built the system up from the, from, from the ground up. It... It is a game about so the who the who you are part is like it's very character centric. So you like create a member like you create a, a character who is a member of a crew. So like its touchstones are very Star Wars, like Firefly, Star Trek, like these things where like you are a member of a crew. I would say Star Trek a little like less so because it is it's like Cowboy Bebop is like a big one. I think like every game I make has like a little bit of Cowboy Bebop in it. Uh, Love it. Love it. But yeah, like the, these things where you're like, oh, we have a ship that is our home and we all have our own little problems that we fix and or like, you know, exacerbate or talk through or work out through adventure. But that adventure is really just a a plot piece moving forward. It's like the game is very episodic. So like it's just like a plot piece moving forward to, you know, have personal growth and inter character growth mm-hmm. um, is, is the thing. That, that's like the themes of it. The, the nitty gritty of it is that like the, the mechanical stuff is, is like it's an opposed dice pool system. It uses like 
It has like a whole mechanic of like you uh, can either on your turn, so everybody kind of goes around and has control of the scene and you're playing like a linear story more or less. So like you can, you know, set up the scene however you want and you're writing down prompts and things on uh, flashcards. They're called threads. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, a thread can be you're introducing a new character to the scene, you're introducing a new location to the scene. Uh, or like a conflict so you can say like oh this is like now i'm like introducing a thing where dice should be rolled and the way the dice roll is like each character has a bunch of different categories of stuff and they all add dice to a dice pool in different ways and a thing that i'm really proud of with uh, space marine stars is it the difficulty of a scene always starts out as like a singular difficulty so it, it's like i said the and you're trying to roll higher than the opposing pool so like difficulty always starts as 1d8 but then the the challenge of the game is personal so like your characters should should always be able to overcome something unless it is personally challenging to them so like there's mm-hmm. a whole like hindrance mechanic where if something is challenging to your own character then you you inflate the difficulty pool. Like difficulty is optional, which is something I like and I think is pretty unique about it is, you know, there's no like, oh, I'm trying to board the spaceship while I'm in like, while I'm spacewalking, right? And like, uh-oh, like what's going on? The conflict here is that I can't get in. The, the, the difficulty is not determined by like how strong the door is and whether or not like you have the right tool for the job. You know what I mean? Like there's no like, set difficulty for this kind of action instead Mm -hmm. what you ask yourself is is this pushing my character in a way that like is you know like allowing them to like move on from past traumas or past issues like you know you can have a hindrance that's like afraid afraid of space right Mm -hmm. like you hate being in space so like you could be like oh this is difficult for me because my character is panicking like Mm -hmm. they're like i want to get in and it's and it's hard versus somebody else who is just like no like i just i have a i have a tool we're just gonna roll the dice as is and see what happens so that's kind of that's kind of space between stars in a nutshell so like it it also has a a pretty great session zero like it's built around a session zero so it's got a a world like a galaxy builder so the whole point is that like you sit down you answer a bunch of questions as a table the the ethos of it is it's GMless, so like everybody should be on the same page. Everybody should like I didn't write a setting for it. The table should be intimately aware of the setting that they are playing uh, together, so they all kind of understand what's happening. You're all adding to it, so every time a thread is made, you pass the card along the table, and everybody gets to add a little aspect to it, mm-hmm. uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so like. That, that's kind of it. It's, it's actually been a little bit since I pitched Space Between Stars, so I think that was a little all over the place, but yeah. It was good. I loved it. One of the biggest things that you you talked about mechanically that I find really interesting is sort of this player, player-controlled player difficulty. I know this is a GM full game in the in the sense that, or GM-less, which way, either way you want to spin mm-hmm. it, and where all the players have narrative control, but I, I like this concept because I think about games that do have a GM or narrator or whatever mm-hmm. your chosen word for that type is, though I like narrator. We should use norm- narrator, normalize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this sort of like in control, like some something that can, tr- if it's personal for your character, right? And like mm-hmm. say, let's just use D&D as the baseline because that's the current most popular role-playing game on the main media. So mm-hmm. anyone listening to this can relate to that. And let's imagine that when you get a critical on a skill check right define a key term about the setting right now like you as the player get to define something that means something to your character and i think that is a really cool mechanic to consider for any game you sort of start making because i definitely want to pick your game about your brain not your game (laughs) but also your game i want to pick your brain about sort of those concepts of interaction play later in later in the show but mm-hmm. i don't know that's just really awesome i, I i've yeah. always i want that in my games i want to be able to say like you have you tell me what ha- like if i'm the gm mm-hmm. you tell me what happens because you have the control right now yeah i like that is so the the reason why i was like oh let's talk about space Marine stars i guess like you you asked me like what what game would i want to talk about <laughs> the pull pulling back the curtain i the reason why i want to i like space between stars and why i thought it would be a good game to talk about uh is because it is like a distillation of w- what i want to explore in 
design and like it kind of exploded after that like all of my games after that are taking small aspects of it or taking like a thing I wanted to explore with that and pushing like that aspect into its own direction or like you know this was the catalyst for me thinking about this stuff and like GMless play is something that I think about a lot like I I feel like that is something that like I or like what it, what it means to be a GM, like GMless play or GM full play, right? Like my default, like, you know, speaking of D&D, like a lot of people make games and like, they're like, oh, an RPG has a GM, right? And either mm-hmm. they, they don't really think, like either they don't really think about it, they go, an RPG has a GM, therefore, right? But then there's other things where it's like, oh, a, they understand what a GM does and like why it's necessary. But then I'm always like... <laughs> But then my brain always goes to GM list first. Like, so when I want to design a game, I'm like, oh, I need to think about a GM because it's easier for me to design GM lists. I'm, I'm losing myself a little bit, but I, I, I'm moving back. Uh, we're here, we're so, here, we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the idea of Space Between Stars was, like, was that where, like, when I was pl- running Pathfinder a lot and when I was running, like, these these, like, smaller games for friends, I was like... Boy, I love being a part of, like, having control of the narrative to a degree, but I hate having all of this control mm-hmm. of the narrative. So it was like this, like, like yeah, it's like, how do I give other people on the table, like, like I, I don't want to be in charge all the time, right? Mm-hmm, like, I, mm-hmm, I kind of mm-hmm. did not want to be in charge all the time. So, like... Yeah, designing games where like you're alleviating control onto players in in moments, right? Like you know, oh, you rolled a crit, introduce an element to the world. Like you, did, like I think, like the joke that I say every once in a while is like, <laughs> how do you do it, right? Like the question, mm-hmm. the D and D question, or like the 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 Matt Mercer. Mm-hmm. How do you want to do it, right? Like the, oh, you get the final blow on a character, on an enemy, and you get to describe how you kill it. Is like, was like mind-blowing for a bunch of people. People are like, Mm -hmm. oh my god, how do you do it? Like, I love that. And now I ask my players to do it all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is such a bare minimum. Like, like the the, the Mm -hmm. reason why that feels so powerful to players is because of that total narrative control that they aren't used to. And I'm not like, you know, necessarily dunking on people who like that i think it's great and you should do that but what i'm saying is like that is such like a like like the reason why people love oh how do you want to do it right Mm -hmm. is is because they're like i get to sit in the seat for a second and that feels good and and especially for games like D &D where you know you don't always want to be the gm but as a player you want those moments of being in the seat you want those moments of being like like I get to just unabashedly tell a story, right? And because you're like the 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 monster's dead, I get to say some really cool stuff. It doesn't even matter, right? Like, oh, I like how do I want to do it? There's some coal next to me, and I toss it in its eyes, and then I light my sword aflame and like the 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 oil that it spilled out, and then I you know stab it through the eyes. And you're like, well, it's dead. You already made the roll. Just have fun, right? Mm-hmm. Is is I'm like. How do I get people to feel that way all the time, basically? You know what I mean? Like, how do you... And yeah, so that that was like... Uh, yeah, GMless stuff and like that that like moment of freedom that you give players is, is so wonderful. And in Space Between Stars, it was like, how do you do that all the time, right? It's like, mm-hmm. how do you always let people just kind of tell fun stories and then bring it up to a point where dice are rolled and then dice are rolled to basically just add uncertainty, like... Technically, you can play this game. Technically, you can play any role-playing game by just telling a story with somebody, right? But, like, the point mm-hmm. of a game is that you, at some point, engage with its mechanics. And those mechanics can be various things, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, engaging with a lyric game's mechanics is, is like, meeting it at its level, right? Like, mm-hmm. reading it and accepting what you're doing. So, I don't always mean roll dice is play game. Roll <laughs> dice, therefore, is game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, like what's the difference between a game and telling a story is, mm-hmm. is like, you're, you're meeting it at its level, and with Space Between Stars, is like, you could just go around and constantly, like, set scenes and talk to each other, and, like, 
the the thing with control of difficulty is also control of progression the game because again like you could play the game where you're just the opposed pool is so small that there's a good chance that you can that there's a better chance that you're going to succeed all the time but there's always a chance you can fail right mm-hmm. and like but then like choosing to make that moment more difficult is like introducing is basically telling to the table you're like I want to fail this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. or I want the tension. And and that's like, again, like a moment of power that I want pe- players to understand, right? Like, I want players who like are used to GM'd games to understand that like, oh, you have the power to say if something is difficult. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You have the power to, to and, and like, you're not opposing this on somebody else, right? Like, that's another important thing is you're not telling another player this is difficult for you. Mm-hmm, it is like mm-hmm. your own choice to be like, I want to see failure happen. Right. Yeah. And in turn, it's cause I want to see my character grow mm-hmm. after it. Cause, cause space between stars has a failure fail forward progression system. So mm-hmm. like when you fail, you gain stress, you have to worry about how much stress you gain. But during downtime, you can spend stress to, to, to like increase the amount of dice you get in other things. Like you, you progress, like it's supposed to. So like, I like when I play tested the game, I had like one one camp like campaign we played about five sessions, and there was one character who kept failing like they kept pushing themselves and like uh, and like progressing and basically engaging with the mechanics, but like the, to a to a larger degree than say another player at the table who was mm-hmm. and because and it's like like if we were using d and d terms like by the end of our fifth campaign, like one person. Hat was like level five while mm-hmm. the other one had stayed at level one, mm-hmm. but they were both enjoying the game. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And like, and be, and just because one is rolling more dice does not mean that there is like an imbalance, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, you will just steamroll over these encounters while I have to struggle. Like the idea is like, I just want to tell like one player is just, I want to just tell a fun story with my friends. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I roll dice, I roll dice. Well, the other one is like, I want to, I want to tell a fun story with my friends, but I also want to push my character. I want to mm-hmm. engage with the mechanics and it's very opt-in. Right. Which again is like that. I think an important mindset that I want people who are used to GM games, like GM full games, to be like, oh, like, this isn't the norm. Or, like, you can think about interaction differently. Like, there is no such thing as, like, this is a standard RPG, right? Like, every RPG is very different, and therefore, like, you should be thinking about things differently. Mm-hmm. There's So in the, in the game I'm working on, Kaleidoscope, when you talk about GMless GM full games, one of the big inspirations for it narrator basis is Band of Blades and how Band of Blades takes these Legion officer roles to delineate administrative bookkeeping from the GM side, but it also gives, I think subtly, if, if you examine it a little deeper, it also gives narrative choice to, to the players as well, because you're basically setting prompts for the scene. So like the commander gets to pick the mission you go on and influence the type of missions mm. that become available. The marshal gets to pick the squad and the specialists that go on. And that decision, like if you look underneath the hood, like sort of sets the tone for the mission. Like mm-hmm. there's a difference between sending a heavy and a sniper versus a medic and an officer along right. with the Chad bros, the Ember Wolves versus like the smart boys, Star Vipers, right? Like that's a completely different story on the same mission. And then Mm -hmm. the quartermaster makes, you know, narrative decisions based on what downtime actions they select because, oh, we got to heal everyone's stress. We can throw a party and play out those role playing scenes. So what I'm ultimately trying to make a point towards is that even if if you, for the folks at home, maybe new designers or veteran designers looking for new inspirations or musings, as I say in the intro all the time, when you think about a GM list, GM full, or maybe like GM lessened game, is that that could also be a category. That's what I would consider yeah. Band of Blades, right? GM mm-hmm. lessened. There is this when you when you put those mechanics out there, you're I think you're looking at adding narrative control in a lot of different places doesn't have to just be something very explicit that says you are in control of the scene you do a thing Mm -hmm. but it's also like 
you can do something that sort of subtly allows a player to change the narrative without them saying like, I changed the narrative. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I just think that what I'm saying is that there's different stylistic ways of executing on GMlessness. Exactly. And like, that's, that's what like, like when I was making space between stars, I, I did a lot of research uh, on GMless games and I asked around and people like people kept pointing towards the same games, right? They're like, oh, Fiasco's GMless. This is how Fiasco works. And I pulled a little bit from Fiasco and like, hi, there's other ones. <sighs> there are other ones. I like, I can't believe I blocked them out of my head. Like for, it's, it's for good fine. reason. Well, but like, it's because like there, there's like a, I found like a community of, of I'm like talking out of my mic. <laughs> I found like a <laughs> you're community good, you're good. of like when I initially was trying to break into tabletop communities, there was like a really bad, or to me, which I found really demoralizing, which was like, hey, like, oh, you're trying to make a GMless game? Well, this exists, right? Like, oh, like, this mm-hmm. is how this mm-hmm. is how GMless works. Like, people always pointed towards, like, oh, this is GMless gaming, right? And that's also what I mean with, like, GM-full gaming, where mm-hmm. it's, like, there, there is, there's such a big spectrum. Like, it's, it's not, like... Or, like, when you break from the norm, the idea of, like, why... <laughs> Why mess with the GMless structure when X already exists to let mm-hmm. you do that? I'm I'm gonna use Fiasco. I think there was another example that people kept giving me, but like, like in a kind of dismissive way. That's like, oh, this is, like, oh, we've kind of like, you should just take how Fiasco does GMless, and skin it in your own system and i'm like fiasco does GMless in an interesting way but it's not how i like you know what i mean like it's like mm-hmm. it's not how i want to convey it like you know mechanics have narrative meaning and the way the fiasco's mechanics work is very like you know push and pull with everybody but then like space between stars is very collaborative like you're 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 telling like a tv show mm-hmm. uh versus like a Coen Brothers movie. You know what I mean? Like they're, mm-hmm, they're, mm-hmm. the way GMless feel and say again, like same with GM full games, like, or like, you know, band of blades is a great example of like, Oh, like it is GM lessened is a great term for it because you're like, it's like a GM, like PBTA is like GMs never roll dice. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's like a big, that's like a big kind of, I, I think at least that's like a big mechanical, through point for them yeah. is that GMs never roll dice. And that's like a very interesting concept because you're like, oh, players have uncertainty and GMs are there to push player uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm, like there's, mm-hmm. there's like a, like you're pushing players to make the rolls uh, and players can fail. GMs never fail because GMs never roll, right? Like mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. kind of the idea versus something like mm-hmm. an OSR, like a, a D&D game where like, an enemy can fail an attack roll on you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? While mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in like PBTA games, if you attack and you fail or get a partial, the enemy attacks you. Like, mm-hmm. like it's on the player to control that narrative. And I'm like, that's vastly different. Like you would never say like, oh, 5e exists. We don't need to mess with how GMs work. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you're like, blowing my mind by saying like the whole because I know ne- I never took the contrast of like if it, if it means that the G like saying that the GM mm-hmm. can never fail because they're not rolling dice they're not doing anything uncertain they're merely just reacting to the player's mm-hmm. choices right whereas in D&D the GM technically is a player and I guess you know mm-hmm. when you talk about GM antagonism that might be why because mm-hmm. It's you're also attempting uncertain action that affects the player's reactions. And, you know, whether how you, you know, yeah. uh, whatever the GM style is determines that level of antagonism. But it's only created because of basically the GM's a player in D&D 5e, right? Like yeah. they're basically a rolling player. So you're just you're you're widen, widening <laughs> my scope right now. It's it's like and and to to like focusing on that for just a quick second like you know making a hard move and stuff like that in pbta games is is the gm mechanically interacting with the game Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like from playing a bunch of pbta games and playing with like a a very good pbta mc uh, simon moody who i've played a bunch of pbta games with and he's a great mc for a lot of them for all of them i've played with him (laughs) it's like this idea of like 
you like why every PPT game is you're a fan of the players is because like, you know, you're not rolling dice against them. But when you make a hard move against them, it is not to win, it is to push them, to be mm-hmm. a fan of them, right? Like to to like you're listening and, and hearing and you know, all of these theories you should take to other games as well. Like you like being a fan of the players should also be in your D and D game, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not mutually exclusive. But how PBTA mechanically is structured reinforces that. Like an antagonistic, I would say like an antagonistic GM in 5e, if it's above the board, everybody understands this. Like you're not being, you're not like harassing your players. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I'm like, I'm going to play an antagonistic GM, I'm going to try and kill you. And the Mm -hmm. players are like, cool, right? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. That to me is very acceptable in like OSR and and mm-hmm. and, and tra- trad games and stuff like that but but in like PBTA I would be like I, I mean again like above the board like I'm going to try and kill you sure but like mechanically I find it weirder if like a if a GM is like I'm going to play monster of the week and my whole job is to kill the players I'm like no like you know your job <laughs> like when you make hard moves it's to put your monster hunters in tough situations where they have to hunt monster, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not uh, gunning to kill them. Yeah. Because even like, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, not rolling dice doesn't also doesn't necessarily mean they never fail, but it's they choose to fail. Like they choose right. to bring in this element to push the players in a different direction. Well, you know, even in like, like I said, trad games, like the players can push mechanical stuff onto the GM by mm-hmm. having them by having enemies roll for saves and mm-hmm. stuff like that, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna throw a fireball. This hits unless you do something. And the GM is like, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Like it's it's that sa- it's like the same back and forth, right? There there is kind of like a back and forth in mechanics that goes on. Eh, fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely fascinating. I I love it. To to sort of rain the boat back on mm-hmm. the river of of space between stars as well. So one of the things that I found interesting, in addition to stress, mm-hmm. is that you don't really have like you do in a in a subtle way. I think, or at least if I'm on the same page. So the grief and hindrance is sort of mm-hmm. like your HP for the game a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Instead of HP, what were you trying to capture using that system? Yeah, I think like that that is something I I thought about genuinely where I was like like on on two fronts. So mm-hmm. the 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 stress track in uh, in Space Between Stars is called grief because I wanted something that like is it, a little bit more punchy than just stress. Sure. Because I think like stress can come in a lot of ways, but like this is a game about reconciling with your past right mm-hmm. where like and that's what your hindrances are but i was thinking about like again i was thinking about gmless play and i'm like there is no person to guide the narrative everybody is guiding the narrative mm-hmm. so i never want to put players in a position where somebody like where a conflict is created and that conflict is that conflict is like we're in an argument, right? Like mm-hmm. dice need to be rolled to figure out who wins, who not even who wins the argument, but like how the argument plays out, right? Or 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 like uh, not even between players. This is like a PvP example, but I'll just say like you know you're just trying to negotiate with like a crime boss, like a syndicate boss. A failure should not mean that you are losing meat points, right? <laughs> like 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 it, it's like like grief is a way to say that like. You know, grief literally is like being shot puts you in like is grief, but also like kind of like, you know, being shut down is similarly a moment of grief, right? Like you're Mm -hmm. like, ah, shit. Like I wanted, I thought I was going to do that, but then I got fucking rebutted and now my, now my like buds think I'm less because of that. But like, you know, even if they don't, but like you can like grief is such like a broad idea. And then similarly, because the game has is entirely built because the world is entirely built up Mm -hmm. by the table. I really, really wanted to make sure that nothing in the game stopped you from playing what you wanted. So Mm -hmm. like you can create a character, which is just a, a gaseous cloud that walks around. Right, and I didn't want like HP to be like this gaseous cloud has the same amount of meat points than this 
human, right? Yeah. And like, I, there's, it's just like terminology that I was like, I, I want to avoid the idea that like failing a check means that like, like, like grief is grief and stress are like they're universal. You could be a gaseous cloud, and for you, getting shut down in front of your buds doesn't bother you that much, right? Uh, <laughs> or like, or like getting shot doesn't bother you, but being shut down in front of your buds is like, oh damn, <laughs> shit, I'm, I'm feeling it, right? Like, yeah. and, it's, and so like that—that's kind of the idea where I'm like. It's like even like like harm like you know like the stress track in, in Blades games like that's where I kind of got the idea was I was like I love this stress track but then even in Blades you still have harm because mm-hmm. the game puts you in physical danger but mm-hmm. in every game of Space Three Stars I've played I've never gotten in a shootout <laughs> um, heard like like players and like the you know it depends on what players you're talking about but like mm-hmm. my players have never gotten in a shootout so. Mm-hmm. Like grief just means like, you know, when you roll dice, the, when you fail, you take grief because the, you're being put in a situation that like you don't like, like you, you failed at something and it shouldn't feel that way. So yeah, that, that's kind of like the major through line with that was like narrative freedom for you to be like failure means something, but it doesn't matter what I failed at. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? It's it's it, it's definitely where HP or vitality on, on one point is that... Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A game designer is still a writer at the end Mm -hmm. of the day. And the words you choose to describe a thing carry different amounts of baggage to them, right? Mm -hmm. Difference between calling, I'm quoting in the air for anyone that can't see me, quote unquote, (laughs) HP, right? Or calling it grief or calling it stress or calling it fortitude or calling Mm -hmm. it like, and what that delineates to, to the type of stories your game is telling or what you're trying to say with the game, right? Even as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about kaleidoscope and how like, I don't want to do HP. I want it to mean something. Yeah. And on like a, on a side tangent, you were talking about using clocks as playbooks in the brain trust like two days ago or something like that. Yeah. And, and my blew my mind because I was like, okay, what if like you had, cause I'm playing with this thing in kaleidoscope called thresholds where like you put little shorthand acronyms inside the ticks Mm-hmm. And when you hit that tick, something triggers in the narrative. So, like, why can't we have like crucial HP that means something for the player, right? Like, put in your own shorthand and say, okay, when I have two ticks on my eight clock, I'm now nervous. When I have four ticks in, I'm panicking or something like that. Like, just based on what yeah. you want your character to have. So, I find I, I love grief and I love the what you were trying to accomplish with grief for Space Between Stars. Yeah, I like I always say 
I always say, sorry. Uh, no, but I do actually <laughs> always say this. I say like the words you choose are really important, right? Like mm-hmm. you're in a, like you have your six stats in, in any trad game, but you like replace, you replace charisma with, with like, sorry, I'm trying to think of a word with like uh, fucking gusto. Just, yeah. Honestly, that's a good one. I was going to say lying, <laughs> but there's a better word than just lying, uh, but like gusto, right? Suddenly that word, that stat makes a, like, you know, Charisma could be rolling for gusto, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm trying to like show off. Roll mm-hmm. charisma, right? But if you say the stat is gusto, suddenly like everyone on the table understands like, oh, I have a stat for showing off, for being cool, <laughs> you know, or like mm-hmm. trying to present in such a way. And it like, you know, it just, it means a lot, right? Like when you omit strength and instead put like well-being like you like you or like you know you you admit constitution and you put well-being mm-hmm. right like technically they like constitution could mean well-being but like when you or like the other way around but like because like because like mechanically it's like oh mm-hmm. constant you roll constitution when you eat bad food when you poison when you're like tired right mm-hmm. like all this stuff but like well-being suddenly gets a lot of people to think about like oh like how does my character feel like literally mm-hmm. like how do they feel like mental well-being suddenly becomes a part of that right? mm-hmm. like you can you can kind of add all of these things so you know it's what words you choose i think are like really important and and i have nothing wrong with the with the words that people use that have been using right like the, the six stats are completely fine with but you know, like that, that should never be your baseline. Like always mm-hmm. kind of think about like, what, like what is HP? What is it tracking? What does it mean when you tell a player you have health points, right? Even if, even if they mean the same thing as grief, like even if like narratively you lose HP for losing an argument as you would a sword, like in equal parts, like a sword fight. Mm-hmm. The fact that like it's called HP to me, like, and, and you know, other people might disagree, but like to me goes, oh, I have to worry about dying, right? But like mm-hmm. grief, when I max out on grief, that does not mean that I die. It means that I'm depressed. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like tired. I'm done. I quit. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Exactly. Like it's. It does not mean it's the end of the road for me. It means that mm-hmm. like I've just kind of hit this point where maybe I just can't take another step forward. Like, you know, and I, like, I, th- this is like another big part of space between stars, I think is, is I, I might be moving into another direction, but like that was really important to me. Like space between stars is a game that I made after I had just taken a year off of college because I was terrified of, you know, my, my abilities and like the, the pressures of academia and like various other stuff. And so like space between stars being a game about, failing forward was really important to me because it was almost like I was like taking a year off was not me failing right like Mm -hmm. you know doing bad in college was not me failing and stopping you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I like I I need to keep moving forward and like grief being this thing that you accumulate and then spend to get better is like mechanically supposed to you know supposed to reflect kind of that the the that processing state of dealing with actually real life grief and things like that right you're like oh i got you know it's like i like why like why am i so filled with like grief and and like stress and when i when you take some time to sit down and like kind of think about it when you take time to you know be with people that you love and just decomp right like all of these things like you come out a better person because of it is is like kind of what i had to like tell myself and what i had to channel into my work i was like no like my hindrances as a character like if i were to make my own playbook my hindrances would be like i would say like I'm constantly struggling with ADHD. Like I, mm. I have like very bad, like my entrances are like, I'm really bad at keeping up with people. Like, like, you know, people are like, Hey, have you been like, we haven't talked in a few months and I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where did this time go? And I feel really bad. Mm. And like all of these different things and, you know, like various traumas and like, like neurodivergencies and these aren't bad things. I think I've, I've speaking of like words, I did not want to call hindrances flaws. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think hindrance is like kind of a clunky word, but I did not want to call them flaws. Mm-hmm. I explicitly didn't. I, I want to say like, these are things that you are 
they're speed bumps. You know what I mean? They're things mm. that like are hindering you, but you being like me having ADHD is not a flaw in my character. It is something that I have to fight. And, and, and again, like the, the idea that a hindrance is opt in, like even if a situation makes sense, like, I mean, this is space when he starts is a space opera. So a lot of these are also like my hindrances. I let my, I let my partner die in the hands of the enemy. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like my trauma is I let like, Oh, the empire killed my partner. And I was like, an, I was, and I led to that. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. past I'm trying to get rid of, like trying to not face. Right. Mm-hmm. is this betrayal that I made. Like, it's dramatic, but the idea is, like, you as a player and you as a character should choose to to confront it, right? Mm -hmm. And the only way to progress, like, the only way to get better at the game mechanically is to push yourself, is Mm -hmm. to say, I'm in a situation where this hindrance would be triggered, and I can choose not to. I could just be like, I don't want to deal with it, right? But I can also choose mechanically to be like, yes, this is difficult for me, and then like increase the amount of difficulty dice. And even that scaling, like you can add between one to four dice to your pool. So like you can like be like, this is really fucking with me and throw all those dice in. Or just like, eh, just a little bit. Like, yeah, like, yeah, this is a challenge, but like I could probably get through it. It's not like I'm facing the person who killed my partner. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just reminding me of that. And, and I think like that's the important thing because like if you fail you're not failing right like you're you're like like let's say you 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 choose to engage with dealing with your hindrances and it doesn't work out right but the point is that like that grief then lets you process right like then you get to like take the time to process and also it is still successful like you know if you succeed at it you get bonus dice. Like you slowly move towards getting rid of that hindrance. Like you slowly, like succeeding and failing still are part of processing. Like I, there's something like very recently I've been thinking a lot about fail forward systems and I'm mm-hmm. like, I love them. And I, you know, made space when you started a game that's entirely about failing forward, but also I want to, <laughs> I want to celebrate success maybe mm-hmm. in design a little bit more. Not yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like give that same kind of like love to like, Oh, I'm trying to challenge myself and I succeed and that feels great. Like I did it right. Like I shouldn't Mm -hmm. only be progressing because of failure and so on. So yeah, that that's, that's, that's also like kind of a big part of that grief cycle that I wanted to design with that game was Mm -hmm. like, sometimes things suck and, and sometimes you gotta confront it. And in doing so in a fun space opera game, you get to have a character that like, I, in my opinion, I think like feels human and yeah, that, (laughs) That's it. Thank you. Thank you so much for being vulnerable on the show. I appreciate that a lot. There's nothing they've said that we don't get real here on Draw Your Dice. Hmm. So I love it. Almost spit water. I saw it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You get real on Draw Your Dice. Amazing. Hey, everyone. Jeremy here. Vegeta gave us so much jam-packed information that I had break up this episode into two parts so you're getting part one this week and you'll be getting part two next week two 60 minutes of Viditia goodness look forward to it as always you can catch me at jeremy gage five over on twitter if you have any questions use the hashtag i did it that's i d y d i t please check out my venmo and kofi and if you like what i'm doing let me know thank you and say hello to Viditia for me bye Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.